This is an alternate recording of this Sunday sermon. We had technical difficulties recording the sermon during the worship service. This recording, therefore, is based on my original manuscript. I hope it is a blessing. Today, we continue our journey through the Gospel of Mark. We walk into a part of the story that we might call a plot twist. It's not so much a plot twist for us as it was for the disciples. They experience something like that moment when you get into your boss's office thinking you're getting a promotion and instead get a pink slip. That is, you get fired. Today, we're going to study this plot twist and find some application for our life today. So let's set the scene by reviewing first where we left off. Two weeks ago, we stepped into Mark chapter 4. At the beginning of that chapter, Jesus taught the crowds in parables. He did this to expose the people's hearts. The parables would attract the humble and yet repel the selfish. To those who were ready to receive the message of the kingdom, the parables attracted them further to the kingdom. To those who thought they had it all figured out, these parables pushed them farther away. After teaching the crowds, Jesus went away with his disciples and he gave them a private lesson about the parables. And he explained to them, one, why he taught him parables, and two, he taught them the meaning of one of his most important parables, a parable he just spoke to the crowds, the parable of the sower. The point of that parable was that there's only one way to receive the gospel and enter the kingdom of God. You must have a humble heart. Humility is the only soil where God's word grows. And that's where we ended two weeks ago. Today, in our passage, we get the rest of that private lesson that Jesus gave to his disciples. We, we get the rest of the story. And so we pick up in Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 25, to get the rest of that private lesson Jesus gave to his disciples. Here's what we read, starting with verse 21. He said to them, Do you bring a lamp in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. These verses may seem like an odd way to end this private lesson, but Jesus loved them here. He taught them further about the nature of the kingdom of God, and he did this in two ways. First, he had something to say about a lamp, and then he had something to say about the measure they use. In teaching them these things, he was, I think, giving them a warning, a warning against pride. The disciples needed this warning, and it was a plot twist for them. And so let's take a look why. He begins this warning by asking them about how they use a lamp. Do people light a lamp and cover it? No, they put it on a stand so its light fills the room. And the same thing is true for the good news of the kingdom of God. That message, the message Jesus was bringing, was meant to shine into the world. And in verse 22, he explained that the message wouldn't be kept secret. It would be brought into the open. And I think Jesus had to explain this to the disciples because they were tempted to think more highly of themselves than they should and to think that the kingdom of God was just for them. Jesus had just taught to the crowds and now Jesus had brought them in, huddled them together for a private lesson 
I imagine the disciples expected in that moment that they were getting a promotion. They believed that God was doing something special with Jesus, that the kingdom of God was at hand, and that Jesus was about to be inaugurated as the king of the world. And yet, here in this moment, the disciples don't get a promotion. They get a reproof. Jesus is telling them that the message they are receiving, the secrets they are getting, are meant for the world, not just for them. They were tempted to think of themselves more highly than they should. And they were tempted to think that the kingdom of God was just for them. Now, this temptation, I think, was understandable. They were in a private lesson with Jesus. A few days or months earlier, they had been chosen specifically as Jesus' inner circle. And Jesus had just told them moments before that they alone were receiving the secrets of the kingdom. Remember, Mark chapter 4, verse 11, this is what Jesus had told his disciples, this inner circle. He said, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. The disciples probably felt like we do when someone tells us a secret. We feel special and privileged, and it doesn't take it long for any of us. And I imagine this was the same for the disciples, to feel better than other people because they had the secret. Now, we know the disciples struggled with pride. Later in the Gospel of Mark, they became quite bold in their pride. And this is recorded in Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 35 and verse, verses 38 through 40. There we read this. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Verse 38, another scene. John said to Jesus, teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he wasn't in our group. Don't stop him, Jesus said. Anyone who is not against us is for us. The disciples liked the idea of being an exclusive club. Moreover, they wanted to one-up each other. I think Jesus saw this pride, the pride we see in Mark 9. I think he saw it emerging in this private lesson we're reading about in Mark chapter 4. The disciples liked the idea of knowing secrets that no one else knew, but Jesus had to correct their understanding. The message of the kingdom of God was not meant for an exclusive group. The secrets the disciples were learning on that day would one day be declared to the world. And this is why Jesus used the image of the lamp. A lamp gives off light, light shines, light fills a room. Jesus was hyperlinking his mission in that day to the Old Testament prophecies that use light to refer to the future Messiah. He was claiming to be the light of the world. Matthew's gospel makes this clear. He connects the prophecy of light with Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, we read this. He, that is Jesus, he went first to Nazareth, and then he left there and moved to Capernaum, beside the Sea of Galilee, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. 
And the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the river Jordan, the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. Jesus is that light. That's what Matthew is telling us. Jesus is the light of the world, not the light for an exclusive group of people. When Jesus told his disciples that everything hidden would be revealed, he was telling them that his message is meant for the world, not just them. And this was a plot twist. They went in thinking they were getting a promotion, and yet they got a reproof. Now, it's no surprise that the next thing that Jesus tells them in that second section of this teaching, in this last part of this private lesson, the next thing Jesus tells them is to be careful how they listen to his teaching. This is the point of that second section, verses 24 through 25. When Jesus talks about the measure they use being used for them, he is connecting this measure to the parable of the sower. Jesus was saying something about how they receive and understand his message. The New Living Translation does a good job of catching the meaning of these verses. Here's Mark chapter 4, verses 24 through 25 in the New Living Translation. Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more you, the more understanding you will be given. And you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. In essence, Jesus called them to be good soil. They needed a humble heart to receive his message. If they were full of pride, the message would not grow in them. Because wherever the message of God had taken root, pride would ultimately choke it to death. Now, I'm sure Peter was one of the disciples listening to Jesus' private lesson that day as he huddled his inner circle together. And it, I imagine it took a while for Peter to become humble. But eventually he learned the lesson that Jesus was teaching them on that day. Years later, Peter encouraged Christians to be humble and to let go of their pride. And he, had this, he said this particularly to young men. Now he wrote about the contrast between pride and humility. And as he wrote those words in his first letter to these Christians, I wonder if Peter was thinking in part about this private lesson that Jesus gave them on this day. Here's what Peter wrote, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. I'm using the Christian Standard Bible here for these verses. In the same way, you who are younger be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that, you may, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. This, I think, was a call from Peter 
to these Christians to live with open hands and to resist living with a closed fist. It is a call to live needing help, going to God with one's cares, knowing that you don't have it all together. That's the way of an open hand. The other way, the alternative way of living is with a closed hand, with a closed fist, holding tightly onto the idea that you have it all together. You don't need any help and no one's going to tell you what to do. And here Peter says that if you live with a closed fist, God will never give. There will be nowhere for him to give any gift to you. But if you come with an open hand, if you come with humility, well, God will give grace to the humble. And he will give more than you can imagine even on this day. Because an open hand can receive gifts. A closed fist will keep things out. Jesus' words to his disciples, echoed, I think, in the words of Peter years later, was a warning against pride and a call to humility. And I think all of this has application for us today. I see three things from this passage, this private lesson Jesus was giving to his disciples that can apply to our lives today. One, we're still tempted to think of ourselves better than others. We're tempted to cast people out of our inner circle. And one of the most popular ways we put people down is gossiping. We talk about others behind their backs so that we can prop ourselves up. We all know how we do this. We do it in different ways, in different relationships. But we have a way of putting other people down by gossiping about them. This is pride. And gossip and pride, it will kill us. And it will choke God's word. Application 2, point 2 we're still tempted to think that the gospel is just for us and ignore the many people in our community who still need to know Jesus. There are a lot of people in our town who don't have a church family, and they don't know Jesus. Now, they, they've heard about Jesus. They probably know many of the key points about the story of Jesus, but they don't know Jesus, nor have they ever lived in a community where they find grace and forgiveness and acceptance. I imagine you probably know one or two of these people. What, what can you do to invite people to know Jesus and join his family? Let me challenge you to invite them to a worship service or a church event. Tell them your story or open the Bible with them and study together. There are many ways to invite people into God's story through Jesus. But let's not ignore them and hold on to the good news for ourselves. As if the message of Jesus was just for our clique here in this small church, never to go out into our community. The message of Jesus is for the world. And right here in our small, small part of the world, it's for our neighbors It's for those who are downcast and hurting, those who are poor and hungry, those who are rich with resources but do not know God. It is for all kinds of people. 
And we want to invite them in to a family full of restoration and love and grace. And we're going to start to look different if that starts to happen. But let's not be stingy. Let's be humble. And let's take the message of Jesus to our neighbors, those who need to know this good news. Application three. We're still tempted to live with a closed fist. I mean literally a closed fist. A closed fist represents pride. It stay. It says, I have things in control. I got this. I don't need help. And I sure don't need God or anyone telling me what to do. If you live with a closed fist, you will starve. Not only will you not receive help, you will eventually lose your hand itself. This is how pride works. Even what you do not have will be taken from you. I want us to be a people who live with an open hand. An open hand represents humility. An open hand says, I don't have it all together, Jesus. I need you. Would you teach me? An open hand is ready to receive. And as Jesus said, when you come with an open hand, you will receive more and even more. So let's talk about a couple next steps. There are at least two next steps that you and I can take today. One, pray this week with open hands. And I mean literally pray with your hands open to God. Use your body to teach your heart. Pray with open hands and it will help train your heart towards humility. Two, pray this prayer. Humble me. Just a simple prayer. Humble me. You can't create a humble heart on your own. Well, that's beyond all of us. But God can. And God will move. So ask him for help. Come with an open hand and ask him for help. He'll give it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that this reproof from Jesus to the disciples in this private lesson has so much application for us in our day. We are a people who are tempted to think better of ourselves than we should. And we are a people who are tempted to think that the good news of Jesus is just for us, our little clique, our inner circle. Would you rebuke that pride even today? Would you, in this moment, humble us? We pray, humble us. All under the authority of Jesus and under the power of the King of kings and Lord of lords, our teacher Jesus. 